We have been looking at a subject all month long, the subject of kindness. And each week we've focused on an area of kindness. This weekend we're going to talk about kindness gives more. And we've called this an all-together series, that is to say, uh, both middle school and high school in the services today, kids' ministry uh, in kids' uh, church today, we're all studying the same subject, the same verses, and the same idea. So the idea is, over lunch today or driving your kids to school this week, have a subject, excuse me, have a conversation on the subject of kindness. If there is an area that we need to have a conversation, it's kindness today. It seems like everybody's mad. It seems like social media, politicians, the discussion, the news media, your co-worker, it seems like everybody, there's a there's a undercurrent of hostility. People are mad and, and, and they're practicing their next insult. Have you ever seen somebody at a stop sign and you can, you can almost tell they're talking to themselves in the car, rehearsing somebody they're going to they're gonna give a piece of their mind to when they get to work or get home. There's just that spirit of, of abrasiveness, of hostility, of rudeness in our culture. And we as Christ followers should, should be pushing against that headwind. We as Christ followers should be different. And I'm here to invite us that kindness always gives more. You see, I've already done my share. I, I, I've been kind and it didn't work out. But kindness always gives more. In Scripture, the Bible places people in one or two categories in several areas. One is, is in the area, uh, sometimes God will contrast the saved or the lost. We see that in the, in the parable in Luke chapter 15, the, the, the sheep and the lost coin, saved or lost. And that's a discussion of salvation. Then there's, a, there, then there's another category. There's the good and evil. And if you're in the good category, you, you will receive blessing, but if in the evil, you won't. There's saved and lost, good and evil. There's also the categories of wise and unwise. And wise and unwise will, will determine our effectiveness in life. But there's still yet another category the Bible places us in, and that's either a giver or a taker. A giver or a taker. You know who you work for, that they're the, they're the taker. You know the family member that's the taker that everybody else has to adjust to but the bible encourages us to be givers and not takers and in order to be a giver we we have to have a heart of kindness we're looking at the account of what's called the good samaritan now now jesus jesus gives us this story the story of the good samaritan in conversation with a with a ruler a teacher of the law. And he asked Jesus the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus is going to answer that question because Jesus will tell us that we need to love our neighbor. We need to love our neighbor as ourself. We often call that the, the golden rule. And now Jesus is going to tell us who our neighbor is. Let's go to Luke chapter number 10. We're going to pick up at verse number 33 and following. I'm not going to read the whole account. We've just been reading portions of it all month long. 
Verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to the Samaritan, soothed his wounds with olive oil and with wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. Note that. Your Bible may say denaria. That's a silver coin. It was, it was their coinage of that day. Two silver coins. What's the significance of two silver coins? Because one silver coin was one day's wages. An average worker would make one denaria, one silver coin. We talked about giving a day's wages. This man gave double that, two silver coins, telling him, take care of the man, and if the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm there. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed mercy or kindness. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Go and do the same. There are people in your work area. There are people in your family. There's people in your circle of influence who have been beat up by life, insult, experiences. They're going through the motions. And we are to be God's ambassador of kindness to them. We have the opportunity to extend God's heart to people and to show Jesus. I, I've made mention of this before. This is the easiest day to witness for Christ. If you'll just be kind, people will ask you, what's different about you? When people walk into work tomorrow, they're upset, they're frustrated with traffic, co-worker, family, bills, politicians, life, situations. If you will just be kind, they'll say, what's different about you? And what it's a great opportunity for us to share Jesus with people around us. There are three brief thoughts I want to share with you this morning. And then I'm going to invite a representative from Convoy of Hope to come share with you on how uh, we can participate and partner with Convoy in this one-day moment. The first thing I want to share with you is we can't do everything. And I'm not asking you to do everything. God's not asking you to do everything. We can't do everything, but we should do something. There is something we can do. But frequently, the fact that we can't turn everything around, we, we, we can't change uh, all of society, we can't change the workplace, we can't turn this around, we can't do We sometimes think we can't do everything, so we end up doing nothing. And I'm here to, to encourage us. There is something we can do. We can't do everything, but there is something we can do. There is something you can say at the workplace tomorrow. There is a text message you can send. There is an appropriate post in social media. There is something you can do to deposit kindness and God's grace in somebody's heart. Let's do what we can do. There's a phrase in our society today that says, if you see something, say something. I want to encourage you, if your heart feels something, then do something. There are moments the Holy Spirit will prompt you. You've been there. Perhaps you've been at school. You've been in the workplace. And you've seen the person that their mood has changed. Perhaps even, even 
just kind of sulking in themselves, maybe even tears in their eyes, and we walked away and say, let's just give them some space. Maybe that was God's moment for us to step in and offer a kind word, offer to pray with them, offer to extend God's heart to them. There is something we can do. And I'm here to encourage every one of us to step in and be God's hand extended. There's random acts of kindness and there are intentional acts of kindness. Is there a phone call you need to make? Is there a card you need to write? Is there a, is there a relationship that was strained and you're waiting for them to open the door that your kindness, if you reached out to them, might open the door? You can't do everything but let's do something. Number two I share with this. God opens the door, but we must open our hearts. And I would suggest to us, there have been times God's opened door, but we didn't open our heart. And we said, you know what? Somebody could have and somebody should have. You drove away from the situation or reflected on it a few days later. You say, you know, why didn't I? I could have said something. I could have done something. And at the time, we were just, we let the moment get by us. There's going to be an open door. Have an open heart. If you ask God to use you, if you ask, Lord, guide me, Holy Spirit, open a door, the Holy Spirit will open a door this week with somebody. And if you'll have an open heart, you can step in and make a difference in their life. And an open heart always has an open hand, always extending kindness, always extending a helping hand. For just a moment, let me bring it down to our one-day challenge. One time a year, we invite people to partner with us in a one-day moment, a one-day to feed the world. The challenge has been if, if somebody wants to pick it up, that of the 250, 260 days a year that you're going to work, to work one day and give a day's wages to feed the hungry in the third world countries. The kids that they live in a country and in a place where there is no welfare system, there, there's no CPS to call, child protective services to come in and do it. There is no social agency, there's no social net for these kids that if somebody doesn't respond to them, these are the kids that, that suffer the worst and, and many of them don't survive. They tell us today that every day, at this day, the same number was yesterday and the same number will be tomorrow, 16,000 children die every day of malnutrition. 16,000 today and the same number will happen tomorrow will be casualties of it. malnutrition before the age of six in the country of Tanzania. The mortality rate for a child reaching age six is 60%. That is to say, if a mother has two children, she is assured that one of her children will never have a sixth birthday. Why? Because of malnutrition. Not enough to eat and not not healthy meals and they succumb to sickness disease and and that little baby that means the world to her will never reach age six can i put it into some practical numbers for you and i can i put that in a in a setting that help us grasp the gravity of that number 
That is to say, every six days, equivalent to every six days, it's like every student enrolled in Northside Independent School District, an equivalent number, starves to death in the world. The 105,000 students in the Northside Independent School District, an equivalent amount to that, dies every six days in the world because of malnutrition. Let me give you a num another number. Could you imagine 114, 114 737 aircrafts crashing every day and every passenger being a casualty? 114 737s crashing every day. We would think that's intolerable and society would be in an uproar about that. But the same equivalent number dies every day of malnutrition. 16,000 children. And here it is. God's opened the door. Can we open our heart? I'm inviting us. I'm inviting God's people to step up and do something, whatever the Lord puts upon your heart, but to do something in a one day. For you see, in one day last year, you, are, you and I are now feeding 1,307 children every day this year. Today, 1,307 children get, get nutritious meals today because you gave one offering last year. And here it is. If we will invest in those who can't pay us back, God picks up the bill. I'll assure you. The Bible puts it this way. Those that give to the poor lend to the Lord. If you will invest in those who can't pay you back, God says, that bill belongs to me. That bill belongs to me. And God will see to it that some way, somehow, it comes back to you that God will enrich, God will bless you. And I, I invite our West Over Hills family to get ready to respond to this moment. I'm going to invite Kim Marie Page, who is a representative convoy. In fact, when you drove in today, you saw the Convoy of Hope trailer sitting in the Student Center uh, lawn as people were coming in to remind us of what we're doing. We partner with Convoy to take one day in one moment and touch the needy and the forgotten children of the world. With that in mind, this, this video will, will share with you all that Convoy does. For years, people around the world and right here in our own communities have turned to one Springfield, Missouri-based organization in their time of need. For some, it's been a meal, a drink of water, emergency supplies, and delivered to them by someone from Convoy of Hope. Hal Donaldson, the founder and president of Convoy, distributed the first bags of groceries out of the back of a pickup truck nearly 25 years ago. And since then, Convoy of Hope has added a fleet of semi-trucks, the expertise of industry leaders, and the hard work and joy of tens of thousands of volunteers, all focused on one mission, bringing hope to people in need. Today, Convoy of Hope feeds more than 177,000 children in 11 countries. They've trained more than 10,000 women and helped them start businesses and have instructed more than 16,000 farmers in agriculture best practices, enabling them to provide for themselves and their families. In addition, Convoy works with cities and churches all across the U.S. to host community events. 
all around the world. The results of Convoy of Hope's disaster relief work have been nothing short of amazing. From ground zero after 9-11 to an earthquake and tsunami in Japan and then back to New York after Superstorm Sandy, Convoy of Hope has been there when we've needed them. Every year since 2002, Convoy of Hope has received the highest possible rating by industry watchdog Charity Navigator, putting them in the top 1% of charities rated when it comes to financial health, accountability, and transparency. It's because of that reputation that others have joined the cause. Hey guys, it's Zendaya here. At Hi, I'm Drew Brees. Convoy of Hope is here handing out coats. Blankets, food, water, real help for real victims. So much help from Convoy of Hope. Not the first time we've seen them in action. Yeah. They are there when you need them. For nearly 25 years, Hope has been delivered to more than 100 million people in 115 countries all around the world. An incredible story with many chapters yet to be written. Well, good morning. It is such a joy to be with you today. What a fantastic church you're a part of. Uh, my name is Kim Marie Page, and I've been part of the Convoy of Hope team for more than 10 years. My role at Convoy of Hope has allowed me to travel to many of our program countries, seeing our initiatives in action, and meeting thousands of men, women, and children whose lives have been transformed because of the many supporters, volunteers, prayer warriors, and staff members that make up the Convoy of Hope family. Thank you, Pastor Jim and Denise, and thank you, Westover Hills, for your tremendous support of Convoy of Hope. Your incredible generosity has played such a significant role in Convoy's ability to meet the needs of hungry and hurting people all around the world. And on their behalf, may I say a very heartfelt thank you for all that you've done. You know, next year, Convoy of Hope will celebrate its 25th year. We're excited about that, but we're just getting started. So far, we've met the needs and shared the love of Christ with over 100 million people. We provided more than 262 million meals, and we've mobilized more than 615,000 volunteers in 115 countries. But, as our founder, Hal Donaldson, would say, this is not the time to take our foot off the gas or look in the rearview mirror because there is still so much more that needs to be done. Convoy of Hope is committed to expressing the love of Christ through tangible acts of compassion, meeting both physical and spiritual needs. Today, 736 million people live in extreme poverty on less than $1.90 per day. That's only $694 per year. 821 million people don't have enough food to eat, and 844 million people don't have access to clean drinking water. When you give to One Day to Feed the World, you're not only helping to feed children, you're actually helping to break the cycle of poverty forever. And this is done through a series of strategic initiatives, children's feeding, women's empowerment, and agriculture. So it's our mission along with and through the local church to break the cycle of poverty. And I like to share how when you give to One Day to Feed the World, you're actually doing more than providing food. You're providing an exit strategy to break the cycle of poverty for this generation and the ones that come. We want to feed as many hungry children as we can, 
In fact, that number has just increased to more than 200,000 children every day. But we don't want to be feeding these children's children. We need to go beyond the meal to address the underlying reasons why people are impoverished in order to combat this crisis. Our children's feeding program is the first layer of intervention, meeting the most acute need. And it feeds children in schools where they can also get an education, get access to clean drinking water, and get spiritual and emotional support. You see, we know that children are hungry because their families lack the skills and resources to provide food security. And generally, that family consists of a woman who is trying to sustain her family on her own with extremely limited education and few skills, generating very little income. So if we truly want to eradicate poverty, and we do, we must address the reasons why women are impoverished at a far greater rate than men. So our next level of intervention, women's empowerment, addresses the issues that have been keeping people in poverty. Women make up half of the world's population, yet represent a staggering 70% of the world's poor. We live in a world where women living in poverty face gross inequalities and injustice from birth to death, from poor education to poor nutrition to vulnerable and low-wage employment. The sequence of discrimination that these women suffer throughout their lifetime is unacceptable, but it's all too common. Cultural norms in the developing world see women as not valuable enough to educate, treating them more similar to property than people. Marriages are arranged to collect dowry and force girls out of school into lives of servitude around the age of puberty. But a country can't move forward if it leaves half of its population behind. Studies repeatedly show that women working accelerates a country's economic growth. In fact, women in the developing world are 90% more likely to plow their income right back in their children and their family and community. More, more likely than even men, 90%. After just 12 weeks of training in our empowerment program, a woman develops the skills and confidence to move her from dependence to self-sufficiency to value herself, provide for her children, and become a role model to break cultural stereotypes and limitations. Convoy's Women Empowerment Program provides training, coaching, mentoring, and ultimately, ultimately the seed capital to launch these women to become successful, independent entrepreneurs running their own businesses and feeding their own children. I'd like to share a story about a woman who I met in Ethiopia. Her name is Marita. Marita was pulled out of school at a young age and married off. She had four children, two girls and two boys, and her life was pretty average until one day her husband died. Because she lacked the skills and resources necessary to generate a substantial income, she quickly found herself out on the streets of Addis Ababa with her four children. Her days were spent rummaging through the trash for scraps of, scraps of food or items to sell, and her nights were spent trying to protect her children from the dangers of the streets. Marita told me that she would stand over her children at night with a knife in her hand to protect her daughters from being trafficked or raped. And the only time she could close her eyes at night is if she tied a rope to her legs to each one of her daughters. She lived that way for 14 months. I don't even think I could have lasted 14 days. And that's not even the worst of it. Can you imagine each day trying to decide which one of your children gets to eat, saying, you get to eat today, but you're going to have to wait until tomorrow. She admired that she equated herself with an animal. She told herself, I am nothing but a dog now. 
and she contemplated suicide if not for her children. It was the local church who identified her as a great candidate for women's empowerment. So I've talked a bunch about empowerment, so let me just define what it means. Empowerment is the expansion in a person's ability to make strategic life choices in a context where this ability had been previously denied to them. You see, it's all about the transformational power of choices. So we began by giving Marita, we, teach, we, we taught her how to prepare a market analysis to help her choose the business that would be most successful in her community, and she chose to make injera as a local bread. This training would also allow her to adjust to changing economies and market saturation because we want to set people up for long-term success. Then she received practical and business training for 12 weeks. 12 weeks is all it takes to transform someone's life, a woman's life, from dependence to self-sufficiency, from hopelessness to hope. And once she graduated through the program, she received the seed capital she needed to start her injera business along with one year of continued mentoring and coaching. And it wasn't long before she earned enough money to move her family into a home. I'll never forget the look on her face as she welcomed us into her home to sit on the couch that she had purchased and see the beds her children were now sleeping in. They were also enrolled in school because she was able to cover the cost of uniforms and tuition. Marita told me that she saw herself as a human being again and was excited for the future. Marita is just one of thousands of women who have been empowered through this initiative since 2010. Many of the ladies have been Muslims who responded to tangible acts of compassion and kindness by accepting Christ. And I'm excited to report that we've been able to implement this program in seven program countries with a long-term success rate of 97%. But... If we truly want to eradicate poverty, we must address the reasons why women are impoverished at a far greater rate than men. So I've already talked about children's feeding being our first layer, layer and then if you go one layer below that, that's women's empowerment, okay? But if women's empowerment is a cure for poverty, then our next intervention, Empowered Girls, goes even deeper. That's the vaccine against it. Our Empowered Girls program is aimed at providing intervention to address cultural views and norms that almost ensure a path to poverty in order to change the trajectory of this girl's life. By far, the most important feature of empowerment, as I've already mentioned, is the transformational power of choices. For example, I was shocked to learn that these girls didn't even know that they had the ability, the power to say no. They'd never even used the word. No to being pulled out of school. No to arranged marriages. No to being raped by a peer or even a teacher. This after-school program contains a curriculum aimed at addressing self-esteem, gender-based violence, and harmful cultural practices. One of the most practical interventions of the program is the provision of sanitary hygiene products. You see, the lack of supplies meant girls were missing one week of school per month, causing them to fall behind in their grades to suffer. And this falsely perpetuates the notion that girls are not valuable enough to educate. Once the girls stayed in school all month long, their grades improved, matching and in some cases even exceeding those of the male students. But let me be clear, this is not a gender issue. We want all students to reach their God-given potential. But in order to break this cycle, we need to address why women and girls are being treated so poorly and are making up the majority of the population of those impoverished. 
If we can educate these girls to help them make better decisions, if we can empower them to take charge of their bodies, if we can provide them with sanitary supplies to attend school all, all month long, and enable them to understand that they have options for their future, we can break the cycle of poverty before it ever starts. There's so much more I could share about how, with your help, Convoy of Hope is lifting people ourselves out of a job in communities all around the world. Together, we are more than just an answer. We are the solution, eradicating poverty for thousands of people for generations to come. So in closing, let me say thank you again. Although you may not be the ones greeted by the smiles of children with a full belly or receive the grateful hugs of women from the doorway of their thriving businesses, you are the reason Convoy of Hope is there offering a cup of water or a plate of food in Jesus' name. We are so grateful for your support. May you be abundantly blessed for your faithfulness and compassion. Thank you, Westover Hills. Thank you, Kim Marie. I'm going to invite our ushering team to get ready. If you'll hold on for a moment, we'll have a dismissal in just a moment. Just hold on, please. Thank you very much. This offering is our one-day offering. And whatever God puts in your heart to do, that's what you should do. Many of us have taken the one day, and that's what we're going to do as a love gift to the Lord, to take care of and minister to the children of the world in these third world countries that don't have a chance unless you and I respond. Convoy of Hope is, a, is an organization that practices in great integrity and stewardship. Let me just share with you, often you'll hear of a nonprofit that you give and only 30% or 40% or half of what you give actually reaches the need and the person that was intended to help. Convoy of Hope has a 6% overhead. That is to say, for every dollar you give, 94 cents will actually arrive at the place. And you, you can give with assurance. There's great uh, stewardship over, over the resources that are given to Convoy in order to make the biggest impact. For you see, they're, they're a faith-based organization. They're not a secular organization. They're a faith-based organization that's preaching the gospel along with uh, responding to these many needs, particularly the feeding program, and that's the one we're putting before you. I'm going to invite you to join me in doing something this day to feed the malnutrition, the, the, the malnourished children of the world. Ushering team, would you come forward? If you're giving check or cash, we invite you to place it in a contribution envelope. If you're giving online, we actually have a category in our online giving that says one day, if you'll designate it to that category. Or if you're doing text to give, whatever amount that you want to do, if you'll just put two words, one day. If you're doing text to give, just one day and that amount, this will all come together and we're going to be sending a check to Convoy of Hope for your giving today. Everything that comes in goes for this project. And I'll give you a report next week on what came in 
this weekend. And as we pray over this offering, as I made mention to the 9 o'clock service, I, I really sense I'm saying grace over a meal. I'm saying grace over thousands of meals that are going to be served to hundreds of children. Throughout next year, hundreds of children will be fed daily because you give you give in this offering. So it's it's like we're saying grace over thousands of meals to be served. Join me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to give today. There are people in the world, in third world countries, that have nothing. And although sometimes, God, we don't think we have enough as, as much as we want, we realize how fortunate we are and how blessed we are and to whom much is given, much is required. And we want to give, Lord, generously to feed the hungry. Reminded, Lord, you said when we give to the poor, we actually lend to you. I pray, God, out of the generosity of the Westover family, that God, through this generosity, it will abound in so many areas, in so many countries, to Haiti and Honduras, in Asia, Indonesia, the Philippines, Africa, across the world. We're sending our heart. Our kindness is, is touching lives and making a difference. And I thank you, God, that Westover is responding today. We bless you and we dedicate this to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
of heaven. In heaven, every nation, tongue, and tribe will worship Jesus in their heart language. And today, I want to thank you for your kindness and your generosity. God bless you. Go in the goodness of the Lord. <laughs> 